It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to Football Digest. Um, we're at the, finally, I think, at the end of the football season. I'm sure there's some football somewhere. There'll probably be some Champions League pre-qualifiers. Um, kicking off um, anytime soon but for now we're just going to have a look back um, on well the season that, that has ended the season that threatened never to end um, with Jeremy Cross the chief sports writer from the Daily Star Matt Dunn from the Daily Express uh, morning guys um, yeah I think I think you know England have signed off anyway with, with a convincing double-headed win there was obviously international games this week but I think we can now funny Jack Grealish actually said when he was justifying his um, um his celebrations as if they needed justifying, he was saying that, that that he reported in for preseason on the eleventh of July of last season. Um where are we now? We're now the twenty second of June and the season's only just finished. His duties have only just finished um when he left the England camp. Um so it has been a long old season and small matter of a World Cup as well. Um, just sandwiched in there somewhere. So, so lads, I will. I do want to look back at the season, um, and we're going to pick out um, some highlights um, and a very simple one to start with. Uh, I'll come to you first, Jeremy. Um, who's your player of the season? Um, well, the can only. And listen, it's been a fantastic season. It's been a long season, but it's been a really enjoyable one, an entertaining one. And there's only, I mean, look, there's only one candidate in there, Erling Haaland. Remarkable season. Um, in his first one in English football, um, you know, 52 goals. I was just looking at his stats this morning. He scored 52 goals in 53 games in all competitions. Um, five hat-tricks, back-to-back hat-tricks, five goals in one game against Leipzig uh, in the Champions League group stages. He also scored nine goals for Norway on top of that. So he's got 61 goals for club and country this season. Um, you know, it was funny because I was thinking to the, it seems like an age ago now, but we went to the Charity Shield at Leicester when Harlan made his debut against uh, Liverpool. And he, he didn't have a great game, actually. He missed a couple of centres. And um, we all left there wondering how long it would take him to, you know, settle into English football. And, um, you know, some even questioned whether he was going to be a success in English football. Well, he more than answered those doubt so um you know i think gundigan's had a brilliant season he led city superbly in the last couple of months led them to the treble obviously um saka's had a great season for arsenal 
Rashford's had a good season for Man United. Um, but there's just one player head and shoulders above the rest when it comes to the player of the year, and that's that Erling sensation. Simon, um, before I ask for your player of the year, it might well be the same um, character. Um, just on his end to the season, Erling Haaland, you know, I mean, he, he, he certainly didn't have as prolific an end to the season as he had a beginning. Um, do you think, and we often say this about players, do you think there will be a greater awareness of him next season in terms of trying to stop Erling Haaland? He was clearly stopped from scoring in those last you know, half dozen games or so. Do you think it will be the, uh, the, the fabled difficult second season? Um, I think what we saw towards the end of the season were, were teams specifically trying to stop Haaland from scoring in the hope that if you stop Haaland scoring, then you stop City winning the game. But what what Haaland and, and Guardiola did very cleverly was that just basically opened space up for other players and uh, particularly late runners from the midfield. And we saw Kevin De Bruyne, for example, um, score some terrific goals arriving late. We saw Bernardo Silva, you know, scoring twice against Real Madrid. And of course, Ilkay Gundogan, uh, even Rodri in the Champions League final. So, yeah, I think there will be different questions for Haaland to answer next season. And we saw that in the last eight, ten games of the season. But the, the problem is with the City team is it just opens up other avenues for the, for the team to score. And uh, and obviously, when his goals dried up towards the end of the season, other players were were able to step up because of the space that was created. Now, going on to the play, my player of the season, <clears throat> I voted for Haaland as Football of the Year. I thought it was a, an absolute no brainer. Uh, like Jeremy said, fifty two goals at a rate that we've certainly in modern football we've never seen before. So clearly, it was impossible not to vote for him, but. That was before. That was when City had just won the the Premier League and still had to was still chasing two cups, the FA Cup and the Champions League. And I've actually changed my mind. Um, and I've I'm going for John Stones. Um, and I thought um, clearly he had an outstanding Premier League season, but he really kind of stepped up to the plate in the FA Cup final and the Champions League final. I thought he was City's best player in both games. And I think he was the the kind of difference between City winning the league again and City creating history and, and winning a treble. Um, we all know he's a fantastic footballer. Um, we all know he's a, you know, he's a, he's defensively he's improved massively. Reminds me in that regard a lot of the way we saw the development of uh, Rio Ferdinand when he left West Ham to join Leeds and then to join Man United. But Stones has gone on to another level. You know, he's not he's not just a centre-back anymore. He can play right back. And even when he's playing centre-back or right back, he's got that ability to, to step into midfield um, and play as a defensive midfielder. And we saw actually saw him playing as an attacking midfielder. He wasn't just holding the four. He was getting forward and creating chances. And he, he's kind of, um, he, he's, he's comfort on the ball. And, the, you know, I've never seen a centre-back who can play with his back, you know, with his back to play before. I, I just think it's it's something we we really haven't seen in English football, a bit like we haven't seen Erling Haaland for, you know, 50, 60 years. Uh, or since, the, they, you know, since Jimmy Greaves was in his absolute pomp. 
So yeah, my player, the, my player this season, because I'm looking at it as the season as a whole and the fact that City, you know, didn't just win the Premier League, they went on to win the treble. And I thought, I think John Stones was absolutely key. Simon, actually, do you think as good as John Stones is as a centre-back, do you think he's now wasted at centre-backs? He's so good on the ball. Do you think he should play in midfield for the rest of his career? Well, I, don't, I mean, I don't think he's a centre-back now. He, you know, he's a centre-back who steps forward. And, you know, we, we kind of, it, it was said a little bit tongue-in-cheek, you know, the Barnsley Beckenbauer, but he's that type of player. He just does, you know, he's not a centre-back who just, you know, sticks around in the back four and, and, and concentrates on defending. When City are in possession, his kind of first thought is, how can I, how can I affect play going forward? Um, and I don't, you know, I, I'm sure we'll, we will see him as a centre back for City and for England, but I, I think he's now, you know, he's now one of these players. I don't know I, how do you describe him: centre back, yeah. midfielder, hybrid midfielder. You know, it's it's one for the lovies to, to kind of invent a, you know, a new well, a new term. That's the so, that's the segue I like talking of lovies, Dunny. <laughs> Lovey, that's never happened before. Um, yeah, John. With my, with my, with my right, so, so which Manchester City player are you having this player? Well, this is what I decided for this awards. I think uh, the the one silver lining to this massive crowd of all these charges is that if we can just for today put an asterisk by what City have done, then at least we got something to talk about because otherwise it's an absolute shoe in the City have been the team of the season. I agree. Actually, the the point about I don't think he did quite enough. Um, in those five big games to, to overtake the incredible achievements that Haaland had. Um, but I, I agree that John Stones is a good shout. But I think with England out, we need to call him a defender because we need one decent centre-back. So can we just keep him there for now, please? Um, but uh, yeah, I've tried to step around the City thing, though, just to, to look at the rest of the season as a whole. Otherwise, it does become too blinkered. And I'm going to go for my, my player of the season, with that big asterisk by anyone uh, involved with City, I'm going to go for uh, Bikai Saka, who, in his final game, um, that we we all well, that we Steve, you weren't there, Andy, but it was incredible. Aside from his three great goals, he just looked like a different player to to the one even 12 months ago. Then he was an exciting young talent. Now he looks like the real deal, and I think this has been a big season for him. He was a main part of. Of, of Arsenal's success in chasing City as long as they did. And to be fair, he was one of the few who really kept going when Arsenal started imploding. Um, I think it's been a massive breakthrough season for him. Uh, and outside of, you know, that, that Guardiola bubble, I think he's been, I think, yeah, easily the best player in the Premier League. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think that's a great shout. I, I, I've, I'll, I've sort of thought the same as you. That's um, like when you get a horse race where there's one horse that is an absolute certainty. You can bet without it. So we're betting without, I'm betting without Man City now. Um, so for my play of the year, I'm, I've thought along the same lines as you. And you know what? I'm thinking, I mean, who scored 30 Premier League goals in a team that's performed very, well, average, to be fair? Harry Kane. Who's becoming England's record goal scorer, Harry Kane? I mean, I do think Kane's, you know, season in, season out. I mean, not many of those, not as many of those, I think, um, as you might think were penalties. I think Kane's had an exceptional season. I I, I would go Harry Kane um, outside of City. Again, has to be a contender again for uh, player of the season. Um, Spurs aren't contenders for team of the season. That's for sure. Um, And we can have City. Um, So I'll come back to Jeremy for your team of the season. Who do you think I'm going to vote for? Barnsley. Well, there's only one thing this season that the complete treble. We were all in Istanbul, and you know, while it wasn't a vintage performance from City, you know, I thought Inter really played well, played to their strengths, and nullified a lot of City's strengths. But we saw a different side to them. You know, um, the dug they had to dig in, they had to be aggressive, they had to play a different way, and they found a way to win. And you know, when there was so much at stake, so not just the treble, but more. It was more important for them to win, actually just win the European Cup rather than make it a treble. That was just a bonus. You know, and we've got that monkey off the back now. And they have been sensational from start to finish this season. I know Arsenal had an eight, nine-point lead at one point prior to the World Cup and after the World Cup. But you always, I never thought for one minute that Arsenal would go on and win the title because City are so good at coming down the straight, you know, in the last few months, I've seen them all in Liverpool in recent seasons, they just find a way to peak at the right time and they are brilliant, brilliant team. I think that the best team I've seen in English football, you might disagree, and it's, you know, it's one of those eternal debates, but I've not seen a team as good as Man City, I have to say. No, no, possibly, Sam, just in the same way as we did earlier, just before you give your team of the season, um, what are the, and we had this discussion out in Istanbul, um, you know, he does have issues to deal with in the summer, doesn't he? I mean, we now know that Gundogan is going to Barcelona. Um, there are other um, elements of doubts about, say, Laporte, even Mares. Um Just run us through how you think this city side will look next season, and what 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 issues Guardiola has to deal with. Yeah, I mean, the thing is. Uh, <laughs> After achieving what they've achieved this season, you know some players have have come to the conclusion that maybe it's time to move on. Gundogan's have fenced out the door. It looks like he's you know he's he's joining um, Barcelona, despite the fact that City did want to keep him. He just got a better offer in terms of years and I think money from Barcelona, and also 
who wouldn't want to play for Barcelona at some point in the career? You know, let's not forget about the the the, the kind of attraction of, of playing in Spain. And I think that this the Spanish league, as Gundogan does get older, I think the Spanish league will suit him probably more than the Premier League does at the moment. He's still a Premier League footballer without any shadow of a doubt. But I think uh, be, being able to be part of that Barcelona rebuild. So yeah, Gundogan, I mean, going through the team, Laporte is a world-class centre-back who's hardly got a sniff this season because of the form of Akanji, uh, Stones, Diaz, and uh, and let's not forget as well, uh, Nathan Aki, who's had an absolutely outstanding season. Um, we saw before the kind of... Um, before the, the Champions League had parade had finished in Manchester or the treble parade had finished in Manchester that, that Bayern Munich was sniffing around Kyle Walker. Um, and I think if if Walker had or, or does make it clear that he would like to take up another challenge, he's another player who I don't think City would stand in his way, even though they don't, you know, ideally they wouldn't want to lose him. Bernardo Silva is another one who for the last two or three years has been agitating for a move. Um, that's for personal rather than professional reasons from what I'm, I'm led to believe but has been a, a, a sort of consummate professional when City have said look if there's a not a club out there that he's, he's ready to meet our valuation then you're, you're not going to be sold uh, you know there's still question marks hanging over Calvin Phillips even though he's come out this week and said that he wants to stick around and fight for his place um, you know, even Riyad Mahrez, who can feel really aggrieved not to have played more of a role in the, certainly in the FA Cup final after becoming the first player in what since 1958 to score an FA Cup semi-final hat-trick. Um, you know, he's another one who, who, who could quite rightly kind of be, be a little bit unsettled. Um, so there are a number of, of, of issues that um, Guardiola needs to address. Because normally when you've won the treble, it would be kind of more evolution rather than revolution. But if, if a number of players leave, then obviously there they are gaps that he's got to fill. But don't forget, uh, we saw the emergence of Rico Lewis last season. Um, and I think he'll play. He'll certainly play more of a role as he becomes more experienced and, and, and gets used to that role where he steps in from right back into midfield. Um, you know, we saw Cole Palmer coming on towards the end of the season. Um, I think Phil Foden is a very interesting one because um, while I wouldn't say Foden had a disappointing season, um, I don't think he kind of was at the the forefront of things in the team as he would have expected. And I've got a feeling that that he may play uh, a more central role um, from next season. I think that's Guardiola sees him as as a central attacking player rather than a player who plays out wide. So um, there are a number of factors to be, you know, City have already made their first uh, sign of the, of the summer in Kovacic. So, um, you know, Guardiola is another player, the uh, the Leipzig centre-back, who, let's not forget, his, his only appearance at the Etihad, his, his team ended up conceding seven. So that's, um, that, that's quite an interesting one. So, yes, it, you know, it, it will be interesting to see how, how Guardiola... I mean, he's able to handle the, the the departures and bed in any new signings that um, that he brings in. But I've got to say that you know he's in the first step. Um, Kovacic, I think, is a is a is an excellent player and has been probably one of Chelsea's few successes this season. I think he, he right. would fit in without any. And we're City your team of the season, or are you going to give us an alternative? 
Well, if if we're going, listen, you know, Matt's talking about Matt's talking about asterisks. I think the asterisk next to City is is that you know it should be this is the finest team that we've English football has ever seen. Until they come up with, you know, until the Premier League can kind of prove that, prove these charges, and let's let's be right, it's up to the Premier League to prove these 115 charges, not to City, not up to City to disprove them. Um, so uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I think you've <laughs> you've got to go for City, but you know, if if we're we're doing that thing where you back the, the horse at second, then you know, I think I'm going to go for Newcastle. Um, you know, I know there's been the, the takeover, and I know there's there's more finance in place at the club, but Newcastle's top four finish hasn't been based on spending shed loads of cash. It's been based on Eddie Howe using the players at his disposal, strengthening the team wisely, strengthening the squad wisely, having a philosophy that the players have bought into. Um, and I think they've got a great, really great team. Every time I see um, Newcastle, I'm impressed with, uh, with with the team spirit that they showed. Matt, team of the season, Asterix or no? So we're taking the moral high ground with your selections there. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to do... Uh, uh, anyway, but to City, this feels like they're 1995, doesn't it? In the same way as United, that, that era finished with their big players all going um, and Hanson famously said, you never win anything with kids. Um, and then they they went and uh, won the double. Um, it, it's uh, it's a bit a bit of a transition this summer, so people hope to knock them off their perch legitimately uh, next season. But but again, City have been the best team, so let's ignore them. Um, and then I'm going to go for Brighton below that because um, it was a shame they didn't quite absolutely nail the dream and nick a Champions League place. But the football they played um, for a team that. Lot had their man- the only team that had their manager rob- robbed from them uh, during the season to bounce back from that and play the football they did and, and qualify for Europe to to you know hold City uh, and have a really good battle with them right at the end of the season they beat Manchester United uh, they thrashed Arsenal um, you know they were just a great team to watch every time you went down there and uh, based on very little having sold all their players. Uh, and they look like they're going to do the same again, and you know they're going to try again and and have a European campaign. So I think any of these awards at the end of this season, I think if Brighton don't get mentioned somewhere, I think it just seems a shame because uh, it's been fantastic. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Yeah, I, 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 you know what? I was really... Um 
from a neutral point of view, I was really disappointed that they didn't get through that FA Cup semi final because mm. you know I, I love I, I love the idea that I love what Brian have done the same as you. Um, I like the football they play, um, and you know they're, they're quite rightly lauded for making the mess of what they've got, et cetera, et cetera. You know, but they haven't won anything ever. I mean, you know, the Sussex Cup or something. You know, and it would have been great for them to actually win something. You know, we know we know how close they came. Mm. Or what? What year was it? I mean, Smith must score eighty three, wasn't uh, it? Eighty three, yeah. You know, so we and it just would have been nice if they win something. You know, and then nowadays we get we 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 lord clubs for being you know well run and uh, you know um, selling people for a lot of money and buying them for very little. It'd just be nice if um, it would have been great if they'd have won something. Oh, you know what? You mentioned the word before, Matt, that um, Arsenal um, imploded. And of course, to a certain extent, they did. But again, without City, I would go for Arsenal as my team this season. To the extent that without them, we wouldn't have had a title race. You know, I, I mean, we, we, and at the start of the season, you certainly wouldn't have said that the title race will be Arsenal and Man City. You would have said Man City, Liverpool, maybe Man United coming in, Chelsea. A fact that if it wasn't for Arsenal, we would have had a procession. If it wasn't for Arsenal, we wouldn't have had that narrative that was quite exciting for a little while, mid-April, end of April, beginning of May, of Arsenal. Not saying imploding, not saying choking, but um, but not playing as well as they had done. And the season catching up with a squad that was, um, in comparison to others, quite limited. I mean, don't forget they went on that magnificent winning run. You know, you know they won a lot of games. They played a lot of good football. They had players who, who excite you: Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli. Um, they got a key injury with William Saliba going. You know, their manager was good copy, very excitable. And to that extent, and what, what did they get in the end? 80, 84 points? You know, that's a total that I don't think you could have seen coming. So I would think that, you know, again, I, I just think that, that, that it's unfortunate that they, that they will have the image of being chokers when really, you know, they gave us a title race that, quite frankly, without them, um, we wouldn't have had. Again, Matt, like I mentioned to Simon about next season, Will Arsenal be better next season? Will they get more than 84 points? Will they be challenging again? Um, I think I think they'll be around there again and it may not all be way to the front. It was I, the thing I remember, you've said all those things that you remember from the season from Arsenal. I remember writing the back page, Arsenal opened up a 13-point lead um, in the Premier League, 13 points. And you know, whatever you say about them not being chokers and whatever, that was a hell of an advantage. And you'd say they'd not do that again. They were the team, of course, that led the Premier League into the new year, the year Leicester won the title. Uh, and the, and he's, there is that developing, that kind of mentality, that that kind of Newcastle under Kevin Keegan mentality. And and uh, and I think that's going to be a problem. I mean, they play such good football and they got such good results um, that to maintain it next year is going to be a challenge. Because like you say, they should have been knocking on the door of the Champions League at best, and they far surpassed that. Um, what I would say is Smith Rowe hopefully will be a bit fitter this year, seeing back next year, um, more of him in the team. Saka, like I mentioned earlier, has gone on to another level. Uh, Jesus as well, if they can have him for more of a season. 
there is scope to be better. Um, the only thing that worries me, I'm not sure, you know, their transfer activity so far doesn't seem to be adding anything they haven't got. Um, Habits or, yeah, I, I'm not sure they've got plenty of that in the team already. Um, they need a, you know, there's a couple of positions they need to strengthen. Um, Gabriel's turning into a half decent uh, centre back for once. So the, 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 the bones are there, but, you know, I think he's got his work cut out. And the other question mark is how can Arteta keep motivating his players with his weird light bulbs and everything else and his dingbats and whatever else? You know, that that kind of thing has a freshness for a while, but to keep motivating them and taking them out to see his olive tree and and all the rest of it that he seems to be getting and adopting a cat, you know, I'm not quite sure. It was a dog. You know, oh, sorry, yeah, sorry. It was Carl Walker's cat, wasn't it? It was... It was um, it had the choke collar on. Yeah. That's right, because, yeah, because... We, it was we, called we Wayne. Because Arsenal It was called Wayne. It's quite worrying. It's quite worrying. You're talking about Mikel Arteta needing new methods to motivate Arsenal. I've not won anything yet, but you know the motivate the the, the 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 tough task in management comes in motivating players who've who won stuff. Arsenal should be absolutely flying out of the blocks next season because you know um, I don't I don't think they did choke. Um, I, I just think that, that that City were always going to reel them in. Um, the, the, but that's a big proving ground for them. People will be looking at Arsenal to see how they respond to, to that disappointment. Um, so, yeah, that should be the motiva- motivating factor for Mikel Arteta, not bringing in dogs and you know, all these kind of uh, sort of um, strange sort of methods that he tried uh, last it, season. It, it was quite, for a while, it was quite thrilling. And, and one of my uh, moments of the season was actually the... Um, the Reese Nelson winner against Bournemouth in the, what was it, 97th minute? And, you know, then they still believe that, you know, moments like that, they still believe. And that was one of the great moments of the season. I'm just going to ask you guys for your standout moments of the season. You know, there might, might be, you know, great winners, great funny things. Jeremy, if you, do you have a moment that particularly stands out in all those games you've covered? Does it have to be domestic? No, no, no. Well, for me, it was the World Cup final in Qatar. You know, arguably the greatest final we'll, we'll ever, we've ever seen. Messi's crowning glory, you know, to cap off a astonishing career. You know, and then Mbappe got a hat-trick, finished on the losing side. I remember France looked like they'd all been on some sort of, I don't know, illness pill before the, in the first half. We're absolutely all over the shop. And Argentina were two and a up. I remember turning to my colleague Chris McKenna and saying, "France could play all week here and not score a goal." Anyway, five minutes later, it's two-two. <laughs> That's why you made the big books, Alf. <laughs> it tells you what I know. Anyway, it was just an astonishing finish to a, an astonishing game, and obviously Messi. We're all delighted. Messi finally got the World Cup his career's deserved. So for me, it was that. But there has been some amazing. Amazing moments. I mean, Conte's meltdown um, after drawing at Southampton. Um, you know, Real Madrid, City's first half performance against Real Madrid. You know, um, there's been some great, great moments this season. But for me, seeing Messi lift a World Cup takes takes some beating. It does take some beating. Conte's meltdown, that, that reminds me of one, of one of my other moments, where, which now seems an age ago. And of course it was, because I think it was the second Premier League game of the season was Tuchel and Conte 
the handbags, the, the scrapping on the touchline. I mean, just genuinely, I don't mind them doing it with each other. I don't want when they abuse referees, but I mean, it's funny. And having been sat there, and as you know, you're very close to it um, at Stamford Bridge. Then who would have thought that, you know, I wouldn't have thought that at the end of the season, even mid-season almost, um, well, not quite mid-season because Conte probably lasted a bit after that, that both of them would be gone. Simon, your your moments of the season? Well, I was going to pick, I was going to pick oh. Gundogan's goal. In the but instead, final. gone for Rodri's goal um, in the Champions League final. No, I've gone for something completely different, right? But but the reasoning, because there was a sort of bit of a laugh behind the Gundogan goal, was it was in the pub after the uh, it's sort of after getting back from Wembley late on the, on that Saturday night. Yeah, and um, and and some uh, some guy said, uh, you know, United played well until they went behind. Um. Which obviously took all of twelve seconds, but his his reasoning was City's first, City's first pass was backwards. The second one was a long ball. The next two were flick ons. It was the fifth one that kind of did for United after twelve seconds. I was going to pick that one, but I'm actually going to change it. And it was actually a goal that that decided the league title. But I'm not picking it for that reason. It was Forrest's winner, um, and I can't pronounce his name. I won you his winner. Um, Against um, against Arsenal, and it was it was because of the atmosphere that day. And went to the city yeah. ground a few I times. I walked up to the ground that they made, didn't I? Yeah, you did. It, it, but it was electric, and that goal obviously was as devastating for Arsenal. But it was it was as as jubilant for Forest as it was devastating for the Gunners. And the atmosphere at, at um, Forest that day was probably the best that I saw. At any Premier League ground all season, and uh, and for that reason alone, I was glad that they stayed up because I enjoyed going to uh, to Nottingham to watch to watch Forest. You know, every time I went there last season, the atmosphere was absolutely electric, and and I think they uh, they've been a great addition for, to the Premier League for that alone. Only your your moment of the season was it was it actually running out of petrol in Qatar? The World, say, but... the World Cup was scarred when oh, mate, our two sports writers ran out of. Better in the country than bed stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, no, so I can't, otherwise it would have been messy as a, an absolute tap in. Um, so I stayed domestic. Um, a, a, as a site, I particularly enjoyed seeing um, Jurgen Klopp pull up with a hamstring injury when he went to remonstrate with the officials, which, you know, just, you know, you know and again, talking about inventing it, it brought Schadenfreude into it. You know, the Germans getting caught out with their own activities. Um, but uh, but what I think I would go for, because it summed up an entire season for me, and it wasn't an incident there. It was a good old journalism newspaper story. Um, the suggestion that James Cordner had advised Todd Bowley um, to uh, appoint Frank Lampard, I just caught the absolute zeitgeist of everything, the whole circus that's gone on at Chelsea all season. And that little snippet of a story um, denied strongly by, by the club and by, by Lampard, but whatever, it just caught the mood of all the carnage that's gone on there. Uh, and just, yeah, and will stick in the mind, I think, for a long, long time uh, as, as sort of an example of, of Burley's disastrous first season at Stamford Bridge. Could I just throw a non-football one in there as well? Yeah, it was, it was going back to the World Cup and it was uh, the moment 
Jeremy Cross walked in through the apartment door carrying bacon and sausages. <laughs> you came to me. Stop it. It was legal. If they were legally purchased, then they were legally. It wasn't bad. Yeah, you know, I think I think um, talking about moments and games, we should mention you know life outside the um, the Premier League, outside the World Cup, outside Champions League. One of the best games I went to was um, Wrexham three, Sheffield United three in in the FA Cup semi final, and who can forget? Um, Sheffield Wednesday's comeback um, and eventual um, promotion um, to the championship. I mean, the football beneath the very top, I mean, I, I don't think has ever been in ruder health, guys. I mean, Simon, you know, there, there are so many stories lower down the pyramid, championship right down to National League, as epitomized by the Wrexham story, which is just, you know, astonishing. It really does seem to be, you look at the crowds and whatever, the game seems to be thriving as much as ever. Well, even, even yesterday, I didn't mention And uh, I was at the championship uh, playoff final, and what an occasion that was. I mean, you know, we, we talk about it being the richest game in, in football. Uh, the tension that day was unbelievable. The atmosphere was great. Um, obviously, Luton prevailed on penalties, and, you know, Let's be honest, one of the stories of next season will be going to uh, Kenilworth Road for those games. We've all seen the photographs of the, you know, the, the stadium and you know, the stand that you walk in between, um, that, that you access by walking in between uh, Terry each Yeah, so, you know, um, it's a long time since I've been to, to Kenilworth Road. It's a long time since um, Luton were, were in the top division. And um, you know, those of us of a certain vintage will remember you know, David Platt running across the pitch in his in his suit. So, um, sorry, David Platt even. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think Luton is going to be one of the stories. But you know, going back to you know Rex, I mean, everybody's going to be interested to see how that they do in the in the football league. And uh, you know, like like you said, that Sheffield Wednesday uh, Peter Brigade was probably the game of. Uh, the game of the season last year, the second. City. Was it? How was it about City? Was it? Oh, that's right. Was that, was that eighty-three as well? No. Eighty-three. That was eighty-three. Yeah. It was in goal that game. Uh, remember? Yes, that was in goal. Yeah. Radiante. We be who had you know managed Real Madrid. Radiantic was the guy who scored the winning. I mean, I can't believe when we're looking back at the season, we've not mentioned that game between Manchester United and Liverpool outfield where Liverpool exactly. absolutely spanked Man United 7 7 0. But, but the thing is, Jeremy, is that the season, as I alluded to, has been so long and so many games, you know, and that World Cup, you know, throws in. It's almost as though, I, I, I find it's almost as though the World Cup, although it's right in the middle of the season, has almost rendered the first half of last season to a different season. You, you know, you, 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 as I say, that Tuchel Conte spat seems like, you know, from another era, doesn't it? You know, so yeah, I, I mean, this is a great season all around, I reckon. Um, I just want to wrap up for the last 10 or so minutes on um, on what we turn to now for the next four, five, six, seven weeks, not the Ashes, um, the um, football transfers. You read today that, you know, United, it looks like Mason Mount should get done. 
I want to start, though, just on a couple of others. Um, Declan Rice, is it getting done to Arsenal, Dunny, anytime soon? Or are other people in for him? Uh, well, other people are in for him, not least of which Luke Shaw trying to get him engineered and move to Manchester United. Um, um, yeah, Luke Shaw convinced you, wouldn't he? <laughs> Sorry. I said, I'm not sure Luke Shaw would convince anyone, would he, really, to be fair? <laughs> well, Is he offering well, the terms yeah. of unbelief personally? Yeah, yeah, but perhaps I yeah. have to dig a bit deeper into his, his pockets for that. But where, um, where, where's Declan Rice ending up then? I think he might. I think it, it, a lot of it's to do with the fact that Declan Rice has a choice to a degree of where he wants to go, um, providing the, the sum is met. But I think I think Arsenal is the best, definitely the best destination for him. Um, and and I think it's a case of Arsenal. Uh, they've got historic. Track record, haven't they, with the Suarez adding an extra pound onto the transfer fee, uh, trying to get it in under you know as cheaply as possible. But I think they're a bit cuter these days, uh, and we'll get to what West Ham need um, in terms of valuation, and I think that'll get done. But I don't think there'll be any rush because West Ham have so many other irons in the fire and and threats to throw at the deal to say, well, look, these guys are interested sniffing around as well. But, but I think that's a long while. Sorry, what do West Ham actually want for Rice? Because they've turned down ninety million already. That's a movable feast, though, isn't it? You go. They want a hundred. They've set their eyes on a hundred million, haven't they? And uh, you know, it's it's one of those that again, it's a balancing act as the transfer market goes on, isn't it? You set and stall out strong early on, and that they accept they've kind of got to sell him, um, and uh, they need you know, need to move on without him. Um, so it'll, it's not, not like there's a set figure that you've got to trigger it. I think they, they just want as much money as they can. Uh, and at the moment they see that 90 million is short of, of where they need to be selling him, you know, in June. Um, you know, if this was, if they were offered 90 million on the 1st of September, I think we shut this season, don't we? Um, so if they were offered that then, I think they'd take it. Yeah. I mean, one thing we do know, the only, I would say, well, Certainty about Rice is that he won't be staying at West Ham. Um, the same, we can't say the same about Harry Kane. Does he go? Does he stay? If he goes, where does he go? If he stays, what happens? Listen, my personal view is I think Kane should leave. I think he should be knocking on Daniel Levy's door and saying, Daniel, I've held up my end of the bargain. You know, he's been a brilliant, brilliant player for Tottenham. He's broken their goal scoring record. Um, you know, he's not going to win trophies if he stays at Tottenham another season, that's for sure. Um, he can leave on a free transfer, obviously, next summer and get a massive signing on fee. But that's another season wasted, doing nothing really but scoring a few goals for Tottenham. And I know he wants to break this record with Shearers. He probably will do if he does stay in the Premier League. Um, I just think he's got, so, he's, got, he's got the chance to get a big, big move um, to a bigger club He's 30. He turns 30 next month, Kane. He's in the prime of his career. You know, strikers tend to be at the peak at 30. And, you know, he should be winning a Champions League. He should be winning Premier League titles before it's too late. He doesn't owe Tottenham anything. And if Levy had anything about him, he'd say, look, we'll, we'll get as much as we can for it and you can go and hopefully win some trophies before you have your boots. So but he's a very well player, Kane, and he would know that. I know he tried to force him to move to City two seasons ago, but he stayed. Wanted up staying, and he's, he's continued to give his all for Tottenham, and he's been brilliant, a brilliant player for Tottenham. 
But that Dan, you just said Daniel Levy should go and knock on Daniel Levy's door. I mean, two years ago, Daniel Levy won't answer his phone. Now, now, now he won't. Now he won't be answering his door either. But I just think he's just. I just. I just want to want to see Kane end his career without you know playing for one of the really elite clubs and winning something. I just think he's quite good player. Yeah, he's he's probably got one of those um, ring doorbells, hasn't he? And he he look at his phone. He see it's Harry Kane. He, no, I'm I'm not I'm not answering that. No way. So Simon Harry Kane, obviously, there's a suggestion that Man United might renew their interest. Um, and I just want to talk and finish on Man United. Who do you think? Who are the ins and outs? So let's go. Let's go. De Gea is De Gea staying or going? I think that one is still up in the air. I really do, um, because um, simply because of the fact that that uh, yeah, United haven't offered him the money that he wants, but um, United have got other other priorities rather than going out and signing a new goalkeeper. Um, Harry Kane being one of them, um, you know, the question marks over other players, Harry Maguire, for example, um, you know, if he's got uh, designs on going to Germany next summer as Gareth Southgate's first choice centre-back, then he's got to be playing more regularly than he did last season. Southgate has, has been loyal to him for the last year, but that, that can't continue um, going into a, a major finals. Um, so, yeah, the, you know, there are, there are a number of players. I'm, I'm reading, you know, I'm, I don't know whether this is right, but Fred, you know, does Fred... Um, you know what? Are they listening to offers for Fred? Got McTominay, so you know it's clear that before United, before Ten Hag can do um, some of the things he wants to do in the transfer market, he's going to have to uh, he's going to have to race yeah. it up himself. I usually like to finish. We're usually looking forward to a massive game. We're going to predict the scoreline. Um, um, we all get it wrong, um, but but there is actually a massive game to look forward to. I don't think. Um, but I still want a scoreline, so I'll come to you first, Donny. The Ashes, England, Australia, scoreline, mate. Oh, well, after the uh, basketball fell flat on his face, um, I think he'll be close. Yeah, he'll be close, but I've got a horrible feeling the Aussies will just see basketball off and uh, uh, nick it. Perhaps with a, uh, I think they might. Uh, I might. I think they might win three. Whether we get two or one depends on the weather. Sorry to be so pessimistic. I'm going to go three. The, the, I don't think there's going to be a draw in any, any of these test matches, that's for sure. So I'm going to go three to Australia. I think they're too good for us, sadly. Simon? I'm going to go three to yeah. England. Yeah. And it's going to be one in the final test at the Oval when Johnny Bairstow's final manages to hang on to <laughs> I saw him call, he called the first three or four from what I could see on, on the other day. Yeah, listen, I'd love to. I, I think it'll be Australia 3-1. I think it's brilliant that, that, that everyone can have a little bit of a break from watching the football. Um, but next season will soon be upon us. Um, but we'll be back during the summer anyway just to look at the transfers and, and the big moves and see what's going on. And now, the lads, enjoy the cricket if you're going. Um, and we'll catch up with you either next week, week after. Or if you're going on holiday, enjoy that as well. Cheers, everyone. 